Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 65 with Patrick Camuso. And as we get closer to the end of the year, I wanted to talk taxes and finances a little bit. So Patrick and I talk about the difference between tax prep and tax planning. And then we also dive into some tactical things. Uh, We talk about the Augusta rule, which is really cool. And I think most of you will be able to take advantage of. So sit back and enjoy episode 65 with Patrick Camuso. Hey, Patrick, glad to have you on the show today. Hey, Spencer, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for the conversation because um, a lot of times on the show, we talk about, you know, sales and marketing, and we're talking about growing a business, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't forget about the financial side. That's a really important piece. And so I know you work with a lot of construction business owners, kind of helping them reduce their taxes and, and talking about kind of that side of the equation. So thought we could spend some time diving into that today and um but yeah I guess I'm I'm kind of curious um you know maybe you can just kick us off and tell us like how you got into this space and you know why you wanted to become a CPA yeah definitely um so I've basically you know spent my whole career in in the accounting industry I basically want to be a CPA I guess since I was like 14 or 15 years old, believe it or not. And basically, you know, it's the reason- <laughs> funny, I do believe that because my wife is one of those people. She knew she wanted to be a lawyer and a judge since she was like 14. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for some of us, a lot, it's of, like, a lot of people wow, find that on common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, that's nice. Reason- you knew your path, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the reason why is, you know, for me, I learned at, like around that time that I was, I knew I wanted to be in business and I was just learning more about different, you know, all the, different components of being involved in business and what that entails and once I learned that you know accounting is basically the language of business and it's the foundation of all businesses and understanding that would give me the opportunity to understand basically like the base that I need to start any business for myself or any investment portfolio for myself but it's also a way for me to build you know a strong reputation and network while also building my own CPA firm that's really what led me to, you know, sort of following this, this path of becoming a CPA and opening my own CPA firm. So, you know, that's sort of been, been my goal since then. So after high school, you know, I went to school for accounting and for finance. I double majored in both of those. Um, I got my CPA. I worked about five and a half years in one of the um, top big four accounting firms, mainly in the private equity and financial services space there. And then um, after, after that time, like five and a half years, maybe a little above that, um, I went and started Camusa CPA and I've been consulting there ever since. And, um, you know, we work very heavily with both real estate investors and construction businesses on, like you said, like on taxes and accounting. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's good to hear the background. I know for a lot of our listeners, you know, the topic of something like tax planning will come up and yeah. uh, I feel like, I don't know, maybe we should just break that down a little bit. Like, what does that actually mean when we when somebody just throws out the term like, oh, we better do some tax planning or it's, oh, we're coming up on tax season. Like, what should we be thinking about? And, you know, I guess maybe dive into that a little bit. What, uh, 
what should we think about when someone says tax planning? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really glad you asked that because um, you know, many business owners aren't really familiar with that term. And they're not even even familiar that that service is out there for them. And there are a lot of CPAs that may be out there that don't offer tax planning as a service. And, you know, some people may say that they're doing a client, their clients a disservice. But what I would say is any client that needs tax planning is, you know, not not being diligent in their business if they're not going into the marketplace, seeking out the correct services that they need. And the first step of that really hinges on your question. What is tax planning? And um, like I said, you know, a lot of people, when they're getting their tax return prepared, they think that they're optimized from a tax perspective. They're minimizing their tax taxes as much as humanly possible. But that's really not the case, because when you're doing tax return preparation, your CPA or your tax preparer is taking an, an historical look. Keyword is historical look at your tax return. So they're looking back at the last year at your profit statement and balance sheet, and they're seeing what took place and they're accurately and reporting that to the IRS in a timely fashion. And that's the point of tax return preparation, historical. Now tax planning is all about being proactive and taking a forward-looking approach, looking at, all right, here's where you are now, um, you know, on this date here in 2019, here's where you're, you think that you're going to be revenue and expense-wise for the next two to four years. Let's plan around that and make sure that you're optimized going forward in how you conduct your business to be streamlined for your accounting and, you know, minimize from a tax perspective. And that can include a wide variety of things, um, you know, your legal entity structure, maximizing your tax deductions, ensuring that you've selected the right accounting method for your business to be optimized from a tax perspective, um, making sure that you're handling retirement and insurance planning within your business from a tax perspective as efficiently as possible, um, you know, going through recent regulatory changes that may impact your business, advanced tax planning strategies. There's, there's a wide variety of things that we can look at there, but the big difference is, you know, tax planning is historical and, or tax preparation is historical and tax planning is, is looking into the future. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so if we're looking towards the future, you know, as we come up on tax season, it's kind of too late to do any tax planning for that year, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, but then now we're looking ahead. So I guess in terms of, you know, looking ahead, if you're a construction business owner, um, are there any like quick wins that, that people can be looking for that, uh, that maybe, you know, you're seeing in your day to day that people are kind of missing or that people should be looking out yeah. for? Well, I, I think that there are. And, you know, I think I can probably highlight one of those, but I would stress like tax planning isn't isn't something where you should be trying to target a quick win. It's more of a systematic approach. So, you know, like all those things that I listed off, I was to take someone through a tax plan. I first want to take a look at what legal entity structure, you know, after looking at your profit and loss statement, your, your balance sheet, all your financials, I'd want to take a look at what legal entity structure are you in? What method of, of accounting are you utilizing for tax reporting purposes? What tax deductions are you taking? And in each of those buckets, there's going to be opportunities, you know, based on your facts and circumstances to minimize your taxes and, you know, to take measures to protect your assets. So you never want to just try to look for, you know, a quick deduction here or there because you may be leaving things on the table and you may very well be looking at capturing some type of tax deduction that, you know, based on your entity structure, if you don't take the correct measures throughout the year, it may not even become deductible come tax time. So it's really about 
creating that systematic approach and having a roadmap. That being said, you know, year end is really a key time, key time for tax planning because it's that final opportunity to where you're going to be closing out your tax year. So, you know, as a construction business owner, one thing it's first and foremost, it's important to really start getting a tax projection set up for yourself and starting to look at everything on a project by project basis. How much revenue are you anticipating to collect on contracts by the end of the year? And you know where do you expect your, your project level expenses to be at respectively for each of these projects? And then starting to look within that, are there any ways, and obviously your, your accounting method comes into play on this as well, and you see how it all gets layered on, but um, you know, based on where your projects are at, are there any ways that we can possibly ex accelerate some of the project level expenses to um, you know, lower your overall income that you're reporting to the IRS? Again, but it's going to be based on your your method of accounting. That's one thing that we can look at within sort of accelerating year-end expenses. Um, you know, obviously everyone we live in a political world nowadays, so everyone probably heard about the Tales and 18 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Now, is this significant overhaul to the tax code? And this is one area where there are some some new opportunities for business owners. And there's a lot of things to cover there. Um, we're not gonna be able to cover them all on this podcast, but one really interesting one, you know, if you're a construction business owner and you're in a position where, um, you know, you do have, you are looking at a large tax liability and you're planning to grow your company over the next, let's say two years, most likely you're gonna be looking at purchasing or financing some equipment at some point. And now may be the time where if, if that was in your plan, say in the next six months, next year, maybe even next two years, depending on your cash flow and the rest of your projections, we may want to accelerate the purchases of some of that equipment. Because one of the new changes to the, to the, with, the, with the tax laws that I mentioned, with the 2018 tax laws, is that um, equipment, whether it's new or used, can now be expensed basically in the first year that you purchase it. If you wow. put it to yeah. use, so you so can purchase, yeah. So you can purchase like a, a you know a two million dollar piece of equipment on December twenty eighth, and as long as you place it into service, meaning that you use it for 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 business activity, even if it's just for an hour, as long as you place it into service, then um, we're able to take that full expense in the first year. How do we take that expense? There, there's a few different methodologies that we're going to use to, to take that on your tax return that, you know, probably doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation, although we can get into that. But that's that's one quick win that if you're if you're a construction business owner and you're looking at a high tax liability, like one of the first things I want to look at is how can we accelerate some of your expenses? Yeah, that's that's a great tip. And I think, yeah, for everybody, you know, right now we're in a great economic environment. You know, so a lot of people that we're talking to are super busy. They're booked out through, you know, Q1, sometimes even into Q2 a little bit with projects. And so to your point, like if you're going to have a good year, like, hey, what are some things that maybe you can do to accelerate um, job projects? You know, so you can pull those expenses into the current year. Um, mm -hmm. Or if you were going to make some purchases and you're looking ahead, then, hey, go ahead and maybe jump on those now, you know, as we hit the end of the year and then just accelerate the, uh, you know, putting that towards uh, this year's expenses. So those are, uh, yeah, those are great tips. And I think really timely, too, because a lot of people are having some really strong financial years. And so that's oh, always yeah. the, the key is like, hey, we know at some point this is not going to continue most likely, but we don't know when. And so if you're in a position to kind of like uh, 
you know, buy some equipment and put yourself in a really solid spot for when maybe things are tough and that equipment might be a differentiator or allow you to be more efficient or whatever it is. So um, yeah, those are, those are great tips. And so um, have you ever seen just kind of an oddball question? Cause I, I also like the numbers. I don't know as much as you do in this arena, but I'm, I uh, think it's fun and interesting. Do you have like a kind of crazy unique or like off the wall strategy? I'm sure people like ask about that sometimes, or you've seen like some unique scenario and uh, I don't know, just kind of a more of something that maybe isn't your standard, you know, run of the mill scenario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every tax planning scenario is unique you know, to each person's business and finances. I probably don't have anything too crazy. Um, you know, for any expense to be tax deductible, it needs to be not only related to your business, but also necessary and ordinary. So that's always the restriction with taking an expense. But there are some, you know, interesting things that the tax code allows. Um, one interesting thing that, that, that I've seen people do and that, you know, I've, I've done with people is something related to something that um, it's not the, it's, it's referred to as this, it's not, the tax code doesn't refer to it as this, it's like a nickname, but it's called the Augusta rule. Mm. And basically there's this provision in the tax code that allows you to um, rent rent your personal residence out to anybody really um, for 14 days without paying tax on it, as long as you rent out those days, not consecutively. So, you know, if your business has a board of directors or if it has multiple shareholders and you're doing monthly board meetings um you can convene those actually in your home and your company can pay yourself rent and then under the augusta rule if you meet the the, the applicable provisions with that y- your business is going to show that rent as an expense and then you're collecting it as income and then you don't have to claim the tax on that so it would be uh you know a legal way to to, to shift income out of your business to you personally so i think that's one interesting one on the business side, um, another interesting one I was just working on uh, on a tax plan that's not business related. It w- it was with a construction business owner, but they're also a real estate investor. And um, you know, I was just going over with them basically the strategy of they like to buy uh, multifamily apartments. And one interesting area of tax planning going to how it's more systematic is that a lot of times combining multiple tax strategies leads to even a more powerful outcome. So with them, you know, when they purchase a new property, most likely we're going to do what's called a cost segregation on that property. And we're going to try to accelerate the depreciation deduction on that property to get the most of that that we can in the beginning years that they own it. With with the plan of them most likely selling these properties in, in a three to five year time horizon. That's when you get the most depreciation benefit. Then when they sell the property, they would have to pay capital gains on that property. But, but then we're going to use a strategy called the like kind exchange. So then they can defer paying capital gains on that property as long as they follow all the provisions within that section of the tax code. Now, um, you know, and then they rinse and repeat the cost seg, the like kind exchange in perpetuity. And then when they die, they can pass their assets to whoever there is going to get their inheritance um, tax free up to certain amounts because they're going to get a step up basis in their assets. And even if they don't want to keep purchasing properties, we have something else that they can utilize in place of a like kind exchange, which is basically a deferred sales trust, which is, oh, you know, an, an, another form of basically doing a like kind exchange. So that's a way where, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, we're enabling that investor with a roadmap to basically never pay capital gains 
on, on the properties that they purchase and sell. And that could be millions of dollars of capital gains. So there are some interesting things that can be done, but usually none of them are like that, that crazy or sexy. It just all sort of comes down to the details. And then all of a sudden the numbers can get pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. No. And those are great examples. I mean, I think a lot of our listeners, you know, end up owning real estate or having that as a part of their investment strategy, you know? Um, and so that's a, a great example. And actually I'm glad you mentioned the Augusta rule. That was something uh, we here at Builder Funnel just started implementing this year because oh, nice. uh, we, if you have, like we have an owner's group. And so even if your owner's group is just you and one other person, you know, you and a spouse, like, Hey, if you meet at your house and you do that quarterly for your, you know, owner's meetings or board meetings or whatever you call them, um, just look up like, oh, the, the Marriott right downtown that we normally would have rented a room from, it's, you know, hundred bucks an hour or whatever, just figure out that similar rate and then charge it to yourself. But it's a good way to pull money out of the business tax-free, like you said. And exactly. um, yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, strategy there. But you said a couple of nuances there. You said 14 days or less, right, is how often you, and, but it can't all be together. Yeah, so there's some nuances with that rule and, and, to, and to any tax deduction. That's why you want to make sure that, you know, you're working with, with a good CPA that can sort of guide you through all of these intricacies. So it's 14 days or less and they have to be non-consecutive. So you couldn't, for instance, rent do that Monday through Friday. It works perfect for board meetings, though, because you can do that once a month, 12 non-consecutive days. You're golden from that perspective. And then, like you said, you know, you want to make sure that it's audit proof as well. So you want to compare your comparable rates. Like you were saying, you also want to draw up a lease agreement between, you know, your company and you personally. And then each year at the end of the year, you'd also want your company to pay you a 1099. Now you wouldn't have to mm. claim that income under the 14 day provision, but those are basically, um, you know, the steps to take to make sure that it, that, that, that it's still staying arm's length and, and sort of will stand up to scrutiny. But um, yeah, yeah, those, those are some of the details to it. Cool. The top of my head. There may be something else. Yeah, yeah, no. Make sure you work with a CPA, but um, yeah, yeah, fine. don't worry. This is an informal conversation. So yeah. everyone make, make sure you're doing your due diligence, but uh, yeah, that, that's good to know. And I think that's like an easy thing that most people can implement that are listening. It's just an easy way to, to um, yeah, pull that money out and tax free. Cause you don't have to take that. Uh, yeah. That and, to, and to that point, you know, that that's like you said, that that's a great one because it doesn't require any cash outlay. So there's, you know, there's, there's, the tax system as a whole is, uh, the way I look at it is, it's an incentive system. And basically, you know, what the government's trying to incentivize in the form of tax breaks is that, you know, their, their citizens have more jobs be provided to them through business owners. So they're offering benefits to business owners and they want more affordable housing provided to their citizens. So they're offering benefits to real estate investors. Now, most of these incentives, they're trying to get you to do something with your dollars. So when you get into to many tax deductions that you're eligible for, many advanced planning strategies, it's going to require there's it's going to require some form of cash cash outlay. So there's going to be some some trade off that potentially comes with that. On unless it's already a sunk cost in your business, or unless we're looking at some type of non cash deduction, um, like like the Augusta strategy, like maximizing depreciation in, in some arena, even if it's on equipment with construction. So yeah, that's, that, that was just a good point. I thought to, to bring up that you made there. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And um, we always like to make these a combination of like 
exposure to new ideas, but then tactical things. And I think that's an easy tactical thing people can jump into. Um, earlier, you talked about, you know, tax planning. A lot of times you have to look at like entity structure and that's going to determine, you know, which path you might take. So mm -hmm. we don't have time to like break down all the entities and pros and cons, but generally like, I think a lot of people either just set something up the way they did just because there wasn't a rhyme yeah. or reason or they inherited it you know maybe they mm -hmm. bought into the business and it just was set up a certain way so maybe you could just talk a little bit about like generally you know why you might go the llc route or s corp or you know some of these different um, mm -hmm. methods and then is there a common one that you see in the construction space that you know you either you end up in this bucket or this bucket, but that's pretty yep. much it, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, now, you know, first to that point, if you're setting up an entity for a construction business, make sure you speak with a CPA and most likely a lawyer as well. You know, it's not some, it's not a mistake that you want to have to be on time with someone years down the road when, you know, you have assets within the company and you have a lot of cash flowing through the company. It can really become a major headache and, you know, what, what a CPA is going to offer you is, you know, tax and financial advice. And what a lawyer is going to offer you is um, legal and business advice. And both of those go hand in hand, especially if it's a partnership. Um, so, you know, don't, don't take that consideration lightly. Now, in terms of, so, and, and the other thing I want to make to that point in terms of practical advice, if you're someone right now, that's like, I'm not going to talk to a CPA or a lawyer. I'm just trying to get my first couple of deals under my belt, then start a single member LLC because, you know, from that step, we can we can do almost anything with that. We can turn a single member LLC into a partnership. We can turn it into an S corporation. We could turn it into a C corporation um, through, th you know, through additional filings. Um, so it sort of gives you flexibility in the future if if that fits your fat pattern. Cool. Um, now, in yeah. yeah, but now in terms of, you know, what entity is optimal. Now, the, the way that, you know, I would determine that for you and, you know, basically any other CPA is going to determine that for you is through a basic tax projection, taking where you're at for, you know, first for 2019 and seeing, let's say you're, you're an LLC now currently, we'll take you at 2019, project out your tax liability as an LLC, and then do that respectively for the same tax year for an S corp and a C corp. And then we would project that out over, you know, a multiple year projection based on, on, on what you expect your business to be doing. And that's the clearest and easiest way to see, all right, this is going to give you the, the best net profit and help your bottom line the best. This is what it's going to be look like managing your company in this format. And that's how I really start to drive that conversation with somebody. Um, more likely than not, you know, if, and, and that's how I think everybody should do it. I don't think you should take rules and rules of thumb and, you know, ever take your decision in terms of your entity structure lightly. And the same thing goes for choosing your accounting methods, even though that's a completely separate conversation. That's probably next after the entity structure. So I would keep that in mind too. Um, but mo most likely where, where you're going to start out is you're going to start out as, as an, as an LLC or a partnership. And then you're probably going to upgrade to an S corporation. You may you may end up going into a C corporation depending on your facts and circumstances. Um, one of the big differences differences between an S corp and a C corp is that a C corp has two levels of taxation, and an S corp has one level of taxation. But you know, w one of the changes that just took place that makes this decision a, a little a little more neck and neck 
with 2018 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because the corporate tax rate is now much lower than it used to be. So that makes the, the C corporation structure much more attractive to companies. But now if you're planning to take a lot of distributions outside of the company, more likely than not, an S corp is going to be a more attractive choice for you because you're avoiding two levels of taxation. But when we're looking at that choice, you know, we have to take a look at the corporate tax rate versus your personal tax rate. Also consider, um, you know, which stage of stage of business are you in and what level of expenses are you projecting and what level of profit are you projecting? But more likely, if I had to guess, I'd guess an escort, um, but it, it can vary and I have seen multiple types of entity structures. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And and then good to know on the C-Corp too. I mean, just if people ever do look, you know, look at that and that starts to make sense that that change, you know, occurred because yep. um, yeah, you do have that, that double tax there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's shift and talk about a little bit of benchmarking. I know you work with a number of you know construction businesses, and so you yep. you get to see like the numbers, you know. And I think oh, yeah. when a lot of business owners get together, you know, sometimes numbers are shared, but sometimes it's vague. And mm-hmm. you know, so are there any benchmarks that you see in terms of like um, profit per job or overall profitability that people mm-hmm. should be you know looking at and aiming for? You know, something to be aware of. Yeah. So, you know, after you have a solid tax plan in place and after you have, you know, a very strong accounting system implemented, the next step to your financial and business success as a construction business owner really is going to be, you know, accurately benchmarking your company to help get you to that next level of profitability and help really zero in and drive on the changes that you need to make in your business. So, um, you know, it's an area that I once I get those preliminary pieces in place for a client, it's an area that I find myself focusing on a lot with them just because it's honestly, you know, like the the, the next logical step basically. So um, yeah, in terms of net profit, now when I say net profit, that means that, um, you know, that's going to include the salary that the owner's paid as an expense. So your net profit's not including your salary in terms of you thinking what you're taking home, Um, usually between eight to 9%. Um, for, for most construction businesses. Cool. Yeah. That's and then, cool. and then based on that metric, you know, you want to basically when you get into estimate and, you know, if, if you're a construction business owner and you're out there right now and you're listening to that and you're way under that, it's most likely going to be a function of you not marking up your direct costs properly when you're estimating your jobs. And it's just basically all goes back to benchmarking and, you know, applying the right markup percentage um to your direct costs when when you're when you're um creating a bid for a job and you know if you if you can estimate where your direct cost should be at you know i would say usually around 60 percent indirect cost usually around you know 20 21 overhead usually comes in around seven percent or so you you could basically what i work on a lot at this stage when we, we identify all right we're not we're not charged enough for our projects which is common especially if you're if you're in the earlier stages too starting out is we need to we need to basically make a formula that says that that accounts for taxes, accounts for profit, and accounts for direct costs, interest costs, overhead, and then we arrive at whatever your markup percentage should be, and then that's how we start to sort of remedy that problem. Um, so yeah, if net profit eight to nine percent, and if there's an issue with that, the first thing I would start taking a look at is um, you know what markup percentage are you. De- are you applying to your direct cost? 
And then yeah. from there, it's probably a project management issue in terms of change orders and, you know, setting expectations properly with clients. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And and you said overhead might be around 20, 20 maybe you said 21%, I think, or some, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I think of, I think of you know, in, indirect costs and overhead separately. So overhead, when I think of overhead, I'm thinking of just like marketing, legal, professional, office expenses, meals. That's what I think of like pure overhead. Then we have indirect costs that are related to specific jobs, but aren't directly related to one to one job. Maybe that's a piece of equipment. Um, you know, th- things of the equipment, um, payroll costs, management fees, things of that nature. Those are all going under under indirect costs. Sure. So your indirect costs are usually, I would say, about twenty one percent. With your overhead, which that would include your marketing, legal. That's usually about seven percent. Okay, gotcha. And mm-hmm. so that uh, that split, do you see a common thread? Um, I guess in terms of like what percentage people spend on marketing or marketing and sales, you know, underneath that bucket. Yeah. So you know, legal and professional is usually going to be about two to three percent. Your office expenses are only going to run you about one percent. So usually, I see about the rest of that going to marketing. Sure. And sure. Depending at what stage of growth you're at. Once you're projecting like this, you know, we can decide on a project basis. Do you want to take a couple points of your net profit and reinvest that back into the company as a business owner? And that's where, you know, you hear that term reinvesting back into your company. Now, I would recommend doing that before year end. And, you know, we'll keep that money within the company. We'll take it as an expense. But, um, you know, you can you, you can put more in it, but knowing it's coming out of your net profit. But we want to stay within that seven band range. 7% range, that band there for um, overhead expenses. So, you know, the best way to do that would be, it's you could fairly simply project out your, um, your your accounting costs. If you're working with a good CPA, like, you know, all of our pricing is fixed fee upfront pricing. That should be fairly estimatable along with most of your legal costs, although there's probably gonna be a little more variability there. And then, you know, office and meal expenses are fairly easy to allocate a percentage to. So we would leave the remainder for marketing. And then if we wanted to increase that, it most likely is going to have to come at a net, net profit because there's nowhere else to take it, you know? Sure. Yeah. If you're trying to grow really aggressively, then you're mm-hmm. you're going to have to invest versus pulling mm-hmm. it out of your budget numbers and what yep. you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And so uh, just jumping back real quick to owner's comp, I'm glad you kind of made that point about the net profit, 8 to 9%, but that's after owner's salary. Mm-hmm. Um do you see, is there a good way to figure out like how much should I be paying myself as an owner? Uh, should it be a percentage of top line sales? Do you compare yourself to like, um, if you had to hire that job out, like what would you have to pay somebody or kind of, how do you go about that? I know it's a, a very personal question too for ag- the actual owner and what kind of business they're trying to create, whether it's a lifestyle business or they're trying to grow it aggressively, mm-hmm. but uh, just some maybe ways to think through that. Yeah, and there's two considerations to that question. One's a tax consideration and one's just an overall financial consideration. Because, you know, first from a tax perspective, um, if you're in an S-corp or a C-corp, you have a reasonable compensation that you're required to pay yourself as an employee of your corporation. And since when you're paying employees wages, you're paying self-employment tax on those wages. So the amount when you're so when you're a shareholder employee, you get to decide how much wage you pay yourself. So there can be some scrutiny around that with the IRS since you get to decide that. So, you know, 
there, there are multiple ways basically that the IRS permits you to calculate what they call a reasonable compensation for a shareholder employee. So from a tax perspective, we wanna make sure that we're accurately calculating a reasonable compensation that your company um, is going to pay you if you're in one of these entities. Now, the way that we do that is, is there's multiple calculations methods that, that the IRS utilizes that we don't have to go into detail about just you know because it's not not necessary. Sure, sure. Um, but basically they're, they're all based off of looking at what duties you perform within your company and then comparing that to just um, you know reliable data that's out there. And there's a few different sources that they'll utilize, such as like the census and different um, sources from other labor labor statistic pools where we can see, you know, across the United States, if you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you run a construction business that does $5 million a year, or like $5.5 million a year, and um, you have five employees and you have this level of experience and you perform you know, five hours of marketing duties a week and X, Y, and Z, you know, it takes you through all that. There's a way that we could compare that with all this data and say, all right, well, your peers are getting paid 125K for this. And that's what your reasonable comp is. And the IRS wants you to pay, pay that unless we have a good justification, you know, for your, your business operations are lacking or, you know, other reasonable justifications. The IRS wants to see you pay that because they want their tax on that. They want their self-employment tax. Yeah. So you've got to keep that in mind from a tax perspective. Now, when you get into the financial perspective, um, usually, you know, if you're running a construction business, you want, and you're running, if you're running a healthy construction business, you want your salary usually, we're, we're going to see it is 100 to 150K. And usually your salary, you, you want to keep as, as, low as possible in most entity structures um, because it's going to benefit you to take that money out of the business another way. So we want to take your salary to the level that you have to take it. And then you could take out more in profit, always remember. So usually 100 to, uh, you know, 150K for your salary. With that being said, now, as the business grows, um, you know, your salary is an element of your direct cost. Um, it's going to go under your management fee or it's, it's an element of your indirect cost and that's going to go under your management fees. And that's usually 21%. So that overall number, you know, if you're, if you've got a $20 million construction firm, that overall number is going to grow because you're going to have more people that you're putting on payroll, but your personal salary that you take home is probably still going to be, be around that hundred to 150 K mark. And, um, you know, it could get raised incrementally, but most likely it's going to benefit you more to start taking that out as profit. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, if it doesn't, then we can take out more as a wage, but, you know, it, it, it gets very situational. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a good just um, everybody listening to this knows that, like, this stuff should be highly personalized to you. And these, oh, yeah. are, these are good, like, general things to think about. And, you know, if you haven't maybe thought through different scenarios. I, I hope that this conversation has been pretty helpful to people. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our done for you social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. 
So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. Patrick, I've got a few more questions for you, but before I get to those, I guess if people want to dive in a little deeper and connect with you or, you know, uh, find you online, like what's the best place they can reach out? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me and also if they wanted to learn more about, you know, taxes and accounting as it relates to their construction business, or even if they have a real estate portfolio, visiting um, our firm's website at camusocpa.com is the best place to go. So, you know, if you want to get in contact with me directly, you can reach out to my team um, at the contact us page at camusocpa.com. And, you know, we'll get you right on the schedule um, to speak with me one-on-one. And usually, you know, I'll do an initial strategy session with the client for, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, no charge, just to um, really see where your business is at, explain to you how we work and identify any opportunities for you. And that's usually how, you know, I start to build an initial client relationship. Um, And there's also a ton of tax information there um, as well on our blog, on our tax guides. And, um, you know, you can, if you're just looking to learn more, that's a great resource for that as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate that. And we'll, um, we'll link that up in the show notes too, if anybody wants Thank to you. easy access to that. Um, so now we're on to the last segment of our show. It's uh, five quick questions. We ask every guest, we call it the fast five. So I'll kind of just rapid fire these at you and you can, uh, you can give me quick answers. But, okay. Uh, so what is your favorite business book and why? My favorite business book. Oh, man, I guess when I was a little kid, I read Robert Kiyosaki's book where he shows those four quadrants, and that's had a huge impact on me. Um, so, you know, that that would have to be one. I did spend a lot of time, you know, working in the big four, like I said, before I started my uh, firm here at Camuso CPA. One book that helped me a lot there was um, by Robert Greene called The 48 Laws of Power. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, those, those are two big ones. I also like his book Mastery a lot just for, you know, overall, like trying to keep a focus on being a CPA for so long. Um, you know, that one that one goes a long way. So I would say those th- those are probably probably in my top three. But for me, I try to consume a lot, a lot of business books and a lot on one subject at a time and um, just try to take in all the information. I think it's I think it's a amalgamation of everything rather than than, than one book that really really helps to, to push things forward yeah yeah i found that as well i typically read uh, quite a bit every year and i find that the more books you read the more like connections you start to see between yeah. all of them yeah it's pretty cool mm-hmm. all right next question who is the most inspirational person in your life oh the most inspirational person in my life oh man um you know i guess i would have to say obviously god is number one um outside of that i'm expecting a a baby this year um yeah actually in like a week or so so (laughs) you know puts a lot of things in perspective and it's sort of is very motivating to just have get that perspective from a new person and just really push me to you know taking the next steps in my business and my personal life with my family so you know i would have to say i guess my son even though he's not not here quite yet yeah Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So if you could have one superpower, what would that be? One superpower. 
man, to be able to read people's minds because, you know, perspective is reality. And if I can see into everybody's mind and, and, and know what they're thinking, um, I think that's going to give me all, all the um, advantage I need in this world. <laughs> cool. I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right. Describe yourself in three words. Oh man, describe myself in three. Is this like a like a humble brag question here? <laughs> no, it's um, just whatever you want. Yeah, whatever comes to mind. People are learning a little bit more about you. Um hardworking, curious, and um hardworking, curious. I think I only got two, man. Hard work. Right, we'll count hard working as two. And then uh, yeah. you got three. So yeah. <laughs> cool. I like it. Uh, and then final question is just, hey, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, you know, if you're out there and you have a, a construction business that is, you know, on, on the spectrum of success, wherever you're at take your your taxes and your finances seriously because i hate seeing people leave money on the table with the irs or you know cut their business aspirations short because they're not managing their their basic accounting functions properly um you know it, the reason like i said i got into being a cpa is is because it's the foundation of your business i know it's not the the, the most fun part of part of a business and if you're out on the site all day you probably don't want to come home and talk to your CPA. Trust me, I understand, but it can save you thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And um, you'll save those every single year. So, you know, take the, the tax and the finance side as, as seriously as laying a foundation or a footer. And um, I think it's going to help your business a ton. Cool. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I'm kind of a budgeting nerd when it comes to that sort of thing on the, the personal side, just running like a good household budget and I would say you know control your finances control your life and I mean it just adds so much stability removes stress anxiety like all these things and so I think um, to your point like don't take it lightly and that's that's great advice Um, Patrick yeah thanks so much for joining me today I think this has been really helpful and I hope a lot of people kind of pulled out a couple of things that will at least make them pause and think and maybe make some changes moving forward definitely yeah I appreciate you having me on thanks again All right. Thanks, Patrick. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Patrick Camuso. And I know you're on the go and I always like to pull out some action items from the episode from the conversation. So uh, I just have one for you today because this is so hyper personalized to all of our specific situations with the way we have our business structured. And if you're having a great year or a bad year, um, it's just going to determine what what action you might take. So my recommendation is just sitting down with the CPA and reviewing this, but in, in advance of the end of the year so that you can actually um, start to look for some opportunities. So if you're having a great year, you may want to make some purchases or make an investment that you can write off. Uh, I think the Augusta rule is something you can implement right away if you have like a end of the year planning meeting with uh, the owner's group or whatever that may be, you know, that's a good way to pass the money to yourself personally, tax-free, um, get it out of the business that way. So um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, there's really the one main takeaway is just being proactive and making sure you get a meeting on the books in the next week or two, talking to somebody, either your existing CPA or, or finding a new one, or if you don't have one, finding one and looking for those opportunities as we close out the year. So um, Hope that helps. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. 
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that wanna treat their customers right, they wanna run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.